0: Welcome to Revive Mercy Podcast. This month is, um, we're continuing the theme that happened in October 2020 is a year after this podcast actually started, and the idea was just talking about being okay to fall. Um, Henry Ford said it this way, one who f- who fears failure limits his activity. Um, the idea that how one responds to failure can be a bigger impact than the failure itself kind of stretches further with Winston Churchill saying success is not final, failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Uh, To unpack this topic, I brought a returning guest, um, um, Alan Licka, to share his insight with us and just share this, just, you know, just be part of the conversation when it comes to failure and the process of failing and how that may relate or not relate to us moving on. So, Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> no worries, and I wanted to sh- uh, um, tell those who are listening: last month was, you know, suicide World Suicide Awareness uh, Day, and I just want to, you know, if you are listening, you are struggling. I do encourage you to find um, seek professional help. Nine Eighty Eight is the um, the National Suicide Crisis Line, but I don't reinvent the wheel. So whatever place, environment, community that you could say these three words, I need help, go there and tell them, tell those people that you need help and find help. I always encourage that. With that being said, I know people say better than me, Ellen. I always say this, but I feel that they do. Uh, Albert Einstein is one of them, and he says it this way to spark our conversation. A person who never made a mistake, never tried anything new. What comes to mind when you hear this quote? You know, every one of us makes mistakes.
1: I think everybody should fail as much as they can so that they can have as much success in their life they can. I, I think failing forward is what people's motto should be because really that's what happens. If you have never tried, then you're never going to fail, but you're never going to succeed. That is the secret to success. The secret sauce is trying, and that's what you got to do over and over again.
0: I totally agree. I feel sometimes we 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 kind of a, just are more we define the idea of success as you know certainty, but really there's a lot of uncertainty, and we can never just fully. I can't fully say that everything I'm gonna do or touch will. Go well, and part of the process sometimes gets ignored. And I feel that this quote um, from Albert Einstein kind of mentions the idea that you know, just like you're saying, Alan, you know, uh, is how we how we define failure, how we define you now making a mistake. Because I feel that's where, at least for me, and you could kind of share your thoughts, that's where I learn the most. Uh, I do well. How do I learn anything if I'm awesome sauce? So. You you know, I never fail
1: because Mm any time I try something new, I Mm -hmm. either succeed or I learn something. So where's the failure in that equation? It doesn't exist. And if you look at it through those eyes, you will have a miracle way of looking at things. Everything I do is a test to see if it'll work. So if you test something, you're not going to fail. All you're doing is looking for bits of information. You're looking for things that are going to tell you clues as to how you're going to succeed.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I, lo- I love how you mentioned. You know, it's it's how we reframe that word because it's not really failing, like you said. It's it's learning more about what may not work this time, or we may have to adapt. And I feel in that regards. If we reframe how we look at failure, how we look at the process, we have a better chance of succeeding and whatever the success is to our subjective lives. I want to ask you, what is your experience? And you've said a little bit. What has your experience been that helped you through some notable mistakes in your life, the ones that you want to share? You know, when I was applying
1: for medical school, I applied everywhere in North America, and I was rejected. Uh, I tried again. And I got I got accepted by the University of Alberta in Edmonton, where I currently live. And I got after I got accepted in Edmonton, I was also accepted by the University of Calgary. Now, Calgary was where I wanted to be, but I turned it down because I was already living in Edmonton. Mm. Now, same process went on when I was applying for dermatology. Mm. I applied to hundreds of schools. I tried, and no one wanted me. And then I tried another year, and no one wanted me. In fact, my mother-in-law said, when are you going to give up this crazy idea? It's wrong. You can't just keep... Finally, I was accepted in several places in the United States, and I ended up going to Minneapolis, Minnesota. But you know, again, if you don't try, you're not going to get accepted. And you gotta keep trying. You gotta keep trying. And you know, the man who fails who is the man who gets knocked down seven times and stays down seven times.
0: Mm. But if
1: he gets up eight, guess what? He's not a failure.
0: Yeah. And you know, I, I you know, I'm just trying to think about your mentioning your experience. I I remember when I was um, some you know, earlier on the podcast, even when I started, you know, this whole revive ministries, I um, I was a notable pause in my life, and I was, you know, struggling to make sense of what was next. I remember a lot of family members and people I cared about were concerned, you know. But at the same time, I had to, you know, I said, you know, I'm gonna. It's funny, 2020, I got married <laughs> in 2020 that year, and I remember people were like, oh um you know aren't you worried i'm like no i'm you know i at this moment i had a lot of people already kind of like well you know we're worried about what's gonna happen here and there but they weren't looking through my lens like yours you know, alan and i just kept i kept pressing I, I kept figuring out what i wanted to do and right now i love what i do you know not only this but what i what i do with the metal in the field i am in with mental health And also just what i do i even have a gaming channel i love doing that so for me it's just i just like um, uh, what a lot of people sometimes nervously when i was struggling was trying to protect me from um what really helped me and what sparked this um theme for this month is i couldn't listen to them not because i was disrespectful but i had to figure out what i wanted to do and that sometimes may look like failure on the outside But I learned a lot along the way, if that makes sense.
1: Well, you know, in 2019, I retired from medicine after a glorious career of 30 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wrote an international best-selling book called The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. I was going to go around the world speaking on that book. Then came 2020. Mm -hmm. And guess what? The world had a whole different idea. The world shut down for two years because of COVID. There Mm. was no place to speak. Mm. So what I did was I started a podcast that Mm. became a syndicated radio show that's Mm. now heard by five and a half million people a month. Mm. So. So where was the failure? Exactly. The answer, the failure would have happened if I just said, I'm going to accept COVID. I'm going to accept what it's doing. I'm going to accept the shutdown of the world. I said, no, mm-hmm. I can let the world come to me. And so mm-hmm. now on my podcast, I have people listening to me from Russia, from Cambodia, from... Mm-hmm. Uh, all the places in the world, we have a surprising number from Israel from a surprising number from Scotland that all listen to my little show every week.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, it, at least for me, I, I just remember with, with COVID, it kind of globally kind of where it was, it was unexpected. And at the same time, it was also something that you'll see people like yourself Who just adjusted to find ways you know you you were going to do a global tour like you're saying speaking but you adjusted and made it something that probably you weren't thinking about doing podcasting before that is that
1: no i I used to do a podcast Mm -hmm. when i was a cosmetic surgeon Mm -hmm. and you know i had friends that showed me how to do it so i got in touch with them again and they said sure we can do it on this too Why don't Mm -hmm. you jump aboard? And so Mm -hmm. I jumped aboard. And so, you know, the secret with doing podcasting is not doing it all yourself. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces. You know, there's all these things that are techie stuff. And I'm not a techie by any means. Mm -hmm. So I have friends that are techie. You Mm -hmm. know, you can do better by using other people's knowledge than using your own knowledge. So why not reach out to them?
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I, I feel that that in itself is part of what I feel I've learned is knowing where my weak spots are and where I need help at and where I need to ask for help. And I feel, you know, when it comes to that, that learning process, that's, you know, it's okay to fall because a lot, a lot of times I feel what I learn is more valuable. I'm not stretching myself everywhere just to do something when I can ask for help in the very beginning like i said i want to give you an opportunity you shared a little bit of what you've been the last time you were here but i just would like to give an opportunity for you new returning guests to have a moment to share an update a little bit about yourself anything those those who are listening just sure well well my history is
1: fascinating and i'm still amazed by it you know in 2003 I was told by a world-leading neurologist that I had better get my affairs in order because I had ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and I had six months to live. Now, that was a crushing blow. I was Mm -hmm. a leading cosmetic surgeon. To Mm -hmm. be told that, it was like, oh, my God. So I literally went through all the phases that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross says in her book on death and dying. I went through anger. You know, I could have bitten the head off nails. Everybody around me knew I was angry. I went through bargaining. Oh God, please don't let this happen. I'll do anything if you don't let this happen. I went through denial. There's nothing wrong. I can do anything. But my right hand and my right leg were weak. They couldn't do things. Mm. But I was smart. I was a a very ambidextrous person. So instead of being a right-handed surgeon, I became a left-handed surgeon. Mm. I invented tools that didn't even exist back then to keep myself going. But the worst phase is when you go through depression. Depression.
0: Depression
1: is a very, very bad thing. That's where you can stay in bed all day, looking at the ceiling and saying, there's, why am I doing anything? I'm going to die anyhow. I might as well not do anything. And I know there's dozens, if not hundreds of people out there that are in the depressed stage right now. And if you are, please seek out help because it's an evil, evil thing. In fact, I got so depressed. I was going to kill myself, Mm -hmm. but before I did that, I went to my wife, who's a beautiful lady, and I said, dear, what do I have, and she said, I haven't got the faintest idea, but you're smart, you'll figure it out, Mm -hmm. I laughed at her, I said, Mm -hmm. I've seen hundreds of doctors, how can you figure that out, and she came up with this beautiful wisdom saying, perhaps you haven't seen the right doctor yet, (laughs) Now, back then, in the early 2000s, something new was invented. You might have heard about it. It's called the Internet. You ever heard of that beast? (laughs) Well, we live and die by the Internet now. But back then, it was so primitive, you had to get on by dial-on connections. That's Mm -hmm. when you'd put a phone on a cradle, which would phone another phone on the other end, And it would go -ah, -ah, -ah," for about 15 minutes. And when it finally connected, you'd get this thing on the other side. And you'd only communicate by a language like DOS because computers had no memory back then. So you Mm. couldn't even type in regular language. So there was no Dr. Google or Dr. Yahoo to help you along the way. You literally had to go this way. And I had friends that were nerds, and they Mm -hmm. helped me find a doctor in Colorado Springs, Colorado, by the name of David Martz, who had a story very similar to mine. But he got worse much more rapidly. And what happened to him is he was on his deathbed within weeks of having this strange illness. And a doctor from Texas came up to him, and he looked at David and said, David, I don't think you have ALS. David whispered, because that's all he could do. The doctor from Texas said, I think you have chronic Lyme's disease. I think you've been bitten by a tick and it's causing a disease mimicking ALS. Mm. David said, well, what do I do? The doctor from Texas said, you don't need to do anything. I'm gonna put you on treatment. And if I'm right, you're going to get miraculously better. Mm -hmm. And David did. Within days, he was like Lazarus arising from the dead. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I knew I had to get in touch with David. Here's a guy that had a story very similar to mine. What would I lose if I got in touch with him? So I phoned every hospital in Colorado Springs, Colorado. You Mm -hmm. see, any doctor can get in touch with any doctor anywhere on the planet if he wants to. Mm -hmm. And I called every hospital. and I got in touch with him at the Methodist Hospital. And we talked for hours and he said, Dr. Leica, can you come down and see me? He said, I, I said, when he said, what about right now? I said, David, it's Thanksgiving in Canada. My wife's invited 50 people over. She'll kill me. He said, well, aren't there any planes in Canada? He wasn't going to let me get off on that excuse. <laughs> so I went to my wife, my hat in my hand, and I said, dear, I'm not going to be here for Thanksgiving. She said, where are you going? We've got 50, yes. I said, there's a doctor in Colorado Springs that claims he can help me. She looked at me and she said, what are you waiting for? I'll pack your bags for you. I'll drive you to the airport. Come on, you're wasting time. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, women, can you ever understand them? <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, I got to the airport. I flew from Edmonton to Denver, which is a great flight. But Mm -hmm. then I went from Denver to Colorado Springs. Now, that's Mm -hmm. a rinky-dink flight. Have you ever been on a rinky-dink flight? Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are like, (laughs) you're nervous (laughs) about This is one that really is a a, a sketchy one. Uh, You know, it goes up and it goes down. You know, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the wind comes off the desert, which causes eddies, which causes turbulence. So Mm -hmm. you'll be flying along and all of a sudden the plane will drop 100 feet. It'll climb back up and then it'll drop 200 feet and then it'll (laughs) climb back up and then drop 300 feet. Now, it's only a 15 minute flight, but by the time we got off, everybody was green. And I didn't chuck my cookies, but a lot of people did. And I got off. I crawled off the plane. And there was David on the tarmac to meet me. Mm. And, you know, back then, you could do that. He was a well-known doctor. I was a well-known doctor. So he met me right on the tarmac. Mm. And so he said, let's talk. And we went and talked for hours. And he said some magic words. He said, I think history is repeating itself. And so... Mm i literally took david's advice took the medications he advised and that's why i'm here 20 Mm. years later thriving teaching people about all this and did you but you know when you look death in the eye and you say my god i've survived you look at life differently Mm. you know that every day you're given is a second opportunity so you better live each and every day to the fullest. You better make every day a magic day cuz mm. none of us is given another day. We mm. have no, there's no guarantee tomorrow will be here. So you mm. better take every day and live it to the fullest. And that's what I tell everybody out there. You need to live every day to the fullest. You need to make every day the specialest day on the planet
0: yeah and you know i i remember you telling this story uh, last time and it just and each time i hear it i feel it speaks a lot about you know the idea of if, because in internet you mentioned i remember the dialogue too i remember that that whole process and uh and um you know there's a difference between information and understanding you know we have a lot of information out there not much understanding of it and uh you know i do commend you because um, You know, especially in the mental health field, I would say, um, getting a second opinion never really happens. A lot of times people feel so low in their whatever they're, where they're going through. Uh, but you look it. at the doctor that told me my
1: diagnosis. He yeah. He was so dogmatic that mm. this is what I had, that there was nothing else it could be. And I yeah. asked him, is there a way to prove the diagnosis? And he said, of course, an autopsy. And I told him.
0: There's no way I'm going to die to prove you wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just it's inspiring to hear like that, you know, your friends, you know, just like you said before, your friends helped you during the time of Internet without Google, without Ask Jeeves. I remember Ask Jeeves, all these kind of things. And before all that, you found a doctor that had a similar story. And just the support your wife had, and bring you going over there, and then you gained the—it's—it's it's amazingly inspiring. And I, I i can't imagine you looking at life any different, uh, the same like you ever what what was before that. You know how could you, in the sense of how how wonderful, precious, and how short life can be, how short life is. So it's it's inspiring for me to hear that story. I want to share. And well, and you. the other thing you learn is to give back. That the
1: of one course. Of- two most important things you can do is be grateful for everything. And the second most precious thing you can do is to give back to everybody. Remember, there's so many more people out there that have less than you do. Do you realize that 95% of the people on the planet don't have enough food to eat every day? Do you realize how many people don't have water that they can turn on a tap and and get fresh water out of it? Do you realize how many other people on this planet
0: don't live lives like we do in North America? Mm-hmm. It is extremely humbling. I just, at least for me, I remember in even the church setting is complicated because you know those people i'm a leader in church and i know someone will say oh i beat cancer right and everyone's like you know hooray you know they're like amen but i know a person just down the aisle on the other side who lost a family member from cancer just a week ago it's very complicated of 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 understanding that Even though you have a good day, it doesn't mean that the person next to you. So I think kindness, especially when we're thinking about um, being grateful, I I try to be kind and I try not to be nice because nice kind of subjective to be trying to at least for me when I think about the word nice, it's not very clear what that means. I'm kind because I don't really.
1: You know, I just rewrote my book, "The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life," a Mm -hmm. second edition, Mm -hmm. and. I added two things for it. I added the secrets to having every day to be a fantastic day. So Mm. it's in the second edition. And the second thing I added was a chapter on being kind. Because I think in this world right now, we're lacking kindness. I think the biggest thing we're lacking everywhere is being kind to everybody else. And if you can just, Picture yourself in somebody else's place and be mm-hmm. kind to them you will be far better off you really the world is lacking kindness in these post covid days it, mm-hmm. it probably is because we're going through po- post covid stress disease but mm-hmm. kindness is so lacking everybody needs to give their head a shake and adopt a kindness philosophy
0: yeah. And I, you know, one thing, a lot, a lot of uh, times people say, you know, I say, how are you? Well, the first expression is I'm busy. I've been really busy. Well, like a lot of times I don't know how to help. You know, I have this, this, this. I know when I was really struggling, just a kind word. I'm, I'm, am outside. Someone says, hi, just say, how are you doing? Or holds a door. Just these little gestures do a lot. You don't know what the person's going through. The person order you know you're going through maybe a restaurant and someone makes the wrong order the waitress is nervous be kind you don't know what you know they made a mistake but at the same time i feel like you're saying i i i i do agree that the words we say to each other do matter how we go about ourselves you do, know you know if it's
1: not gonna matter in 50 years It shouldn't matter in five minutes, you know? So what if you got the wrong order? They can remake it or you get to sample another bit of food that you would have never had before. I I mean, just think of it. Uh, When when I say so much of the world doesn't have food today to eat, just be
0: grateful that you're getting proper food. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just a lot of times, um, when it comes to this title, when I thought, you know, it's okay to fall when we think about, um, these kind of discussion topics, you know, I think what you're saying, I remember the biggest portion of my healing was helping others became my healing, serving others became my recovery in in a sense. And I feel we can do a lot of good. And like you're saying, when we are not focused on ourselves, uh, your your story and what you've been through is inspiring, because you you have a understanding of you know f- being told something very crass and saying oh you know like the doctor first said to you uh, when he said you know, your what he thought your prognosis was, but you kept fighting and you know you had the support and it's em- amazingly, at least for me even to this day I know we spoke. Uh, a year ago I still isn't ins- inspiring I do appreciate your story and, and that you continue doing the work that you do um, um, I just want to ask you a question um, when it comes to like setbacks and you mentioned your setbacks and you know gaining the understand I know we don't all have the same I guess uh, uh, resources or context but what has helped you like when you were at your lowest you mentioned you were depressed and you were, you know, you mentioned the interaction with your wife. But what got you out of the bed? What, what, what helped you move on to the next day? Um, you know, the first thing
1: is realizing that my wife is probably right. You know, mm-hmm. that I probably had not seen the right doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, doctors are human. They make mm-hmm. mistakes too. They mm-hmm. only can know what they know. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, and realizing that. That got me out of the funk and saying, yeah, let's... It's it's like four blind men attacking an elephant. You know, one touches the trunk and says, an elephant's like that. Another one touches the tail and says, the elephant's like that. Another one touches the leg and says, an elephant's like that. Another one touches the body and says, the elephant's like that. But if you were sighted You can see the elephant as truly all those things and more. Mm -hmm. So you got to look at things from all points of view and perspective. And you got to broaden your perspective. And that's what got me out of my funk is realizing that my extent of knowledge was so jaded by this blackness that was going on in my head that I wasn't seeing the whole picture, that I wasn't looking outside the box. And, you know, many of those doctors were not looking outside the boxes, too, because they were so jaded by the systems that they were in. You know, a doctor has 10 minutes to make a diagnosis. And if it doesn't fit nicely in a box, they're not going to go far outside of that. That's the way healthcare has been given to them now. So I realized that. But, you know, the other thing I did is I forgave them for all their lack of knowledge and lack of understanding. And I forgave myself, too, for the blackness that had descended on me. I was willing to accept another path. And if I failed, fine, you know, but at least I went down trying.
0: Mm. You kind of got there before I was going to lead into kindness to forgiveness, but Martin Luther King, I was throwing this quote, forgiveness is not an occasional act, it's a constant attitude. What comes to mind when you hear this quote from Martin Luther King? You know,
1: forgiveness is not a one-time thing, it's an all-time thing you know and you don't forgive for the other person you do it for yourself if you don't forgive it's like drinking poison and expecting mm-hmm. the other person to die you know if, if this this anger this other stuff that goes and boils inside yourself is poison and it mm-hmm. will kill you just as surely as poison will
0: yeah and uh, you know When it comes to forgiveness, it's also not just forgiving the others, but forgiving yourself. You know, a lot of times that could be some of the hardest hurdle. Or uh, when it comes to forgiveness, but like you said, forgiveness is doesn't always equate to um, uh, that the relationship will be mended. It's just it allows you. It doesn't negate what has been done to you, but it does uh, releases you from that. Stuckness, the idea that I am, you know, this person has hurt me. I'm you know, and this is a process, but forgiveness is is at least from my experience and what I've seen, forgiveness is very key to moving forward in this. Because if you get stuck there, a lot of times it can hold us back when it comes to moving forward. You know, in the twenty first century we had a miracle in South Africa
1: and what we saw was the end of apartheid but mm-hmm. you know people thought that when it ended there was going to be a bloodbath where blacks took revenge on the whites for all the things they did but nelson mandela and uh red uh reverend tutu the mm-hmm. archbishop tutu said no We are going to forgive the whites for what they've done. Mm -hmm. And there was no retribution. There Mm -hmm. was no bloodbath. And that's what we have to think of here. You know, Nelson Mandela was asked, you have been in prison for 20 years. Aren't you angry? He said, Mm -hmm. of course I'm angry, Mm -hmm. but I forgive those. Otherwise, I'll never be whole.
0: Yeah. It just goes to show, just like you mentioned, with the poison, if you, like the idea of not forgiving, how it does more damage to our own self than it does to anything else. The idea is, I always say, when it comes to my care or even those who I work with, you know, personalize what's happening to you. Like you mentioned, you know, when your when your wife was saying, you know, did you, you may have not met the right doctor, you know that's a, that was a motivation to kind of keep looking deeper but a lot of times externally things happen like you mentioned doctors may get the diagnosis wrong they're human so if we personalize everything externally that we have no control over a lot of times it doesn't work as well and but at the same time it doesn't mean you don't you can't you, you can still be upset you can still But at the same time when it comes to forgiveness i think um what you mentioned with the apartheid and just the idea of how it it's more damaging for ourselves to keep it po- holding on to that hatred and releasing by saying I forgive you it doesn't mean I don't recognize that it bothered me or it was hurtful but moving past it you know we may not reconcile but that's not required for forgiveness it's just forgiving exactly
1: forgiveness as i say is something you do for yourself not for the other person, you do it so you can heal your soul, not theirs. You know, they still can be a, a bad person, they still mm-hmm. can be an ignorant person,
0: but mm-hmm. you're doing this to help yourself. Yeah, um, it just goes to show how much of an impact we if we allow things to get stuck within us, and that's why it's so important for us to be kind to each other because I you know, like you said, it's not going to be an issue 50 years later why it, and it's only what was five minutes if the person got the order wrong you know be kind to them be kind to yourself um i want to ask you the last question as we kind of close out what would you want people to be reminded when he, when he in the regards to and we talked about this quite a bit but through your experience through your setbacks what would you like the people to remember in this october been kind of tradition in this podcast that we talk about this because i don't see it often talked about but when it comes to failure and moving on and forgiveness and being kind what would you like people to remember this this year you know i would like people
1: to remember that it's okay to fail it's not okay not to try Mm. and if you don't try you'll never fail but you'll never succeed so you must try you must try and you must keep trying, even though you fall flat on your bum. You know, I have a grandchild that's learning to walk. It's mm-hmm. so amazing to see that. He mm. gets up, he falls down. He gets up, he falls down. He gets up, he falls down. Mm. Do you think that stops him from one minute from trying again? Yeah. No, it keeps on going. Yeah. I, yeah. I had my youngest child had problems tying her shoelaces mm-hmm. and you know she kept trying 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 <laughs> until she finally got it you know this is the thing that's found innately in every one of us you mm-hmm. just have to rekindle that fire
0: you know i love what um one well, of my nieces well, um, we were playing, I think, Stratigo. You ever play that game? Stratigo, it's like that chess game, sort of like, yeah. I beat her a couple times, and she's they call me Uncle Baba. That's how they my nieces. And they said, Uncle Baba, can I borrow this game so I could practice and then I could beat you? And for me, <laughs> I thought it was amazing because uh, this kid, she was probably six or seven or eight, and she didn't see every time I beat her as. Like oh she failed she said you know what I need more practice let me practice so I can go ahead and play you again later on so I can beat you and I feel for me it's it makes me smile each day when I think about that because it
1: was like I was playing checkers with one of my <laughs> granddaughters and she yeah. <laughs> you know she I beat her every time and she said well we need to practice some more let's do it again let's do it again. <laughs>
0: I think that it's just so refreshing to hear that kind of that kind of attitude towards any obstacle. Um, you know, you're in, you're in Canada right now. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm up in Edmonton, Alberta. Okay, so like, uh, to, you know, Wayne Gretzky said, um, "You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take." So you know, a lot of people exactly. say that, so. and
1: and he also said, "It's not where the puck is; it's where the puck's <laughs> going to be." So yeah. if you don't look where the puck's going to
0: be, you're not <laughs> going to be a success either. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do feel all of this. You know, those who are listening, it's it's about not failing. It's about keep trying. I guess is, and the idea is that we're human. Be kinder to yourself and those around you. That was my final thoughts as we wrap up. It's always a, a pleasure to have you on, Alan. Uh, Any final thoughts as we wrap
1: up? You know, I would like to give everybody a gift. And the gift I'd like to give everybody is a snapshot of where they are in their life, in their fantastic life. I've put together a a nice little questionnaire called the Life Quality Assessment. LifeQualityAssessment.com. It's 25 short questions, and it'll show you where you are exactly in your journey to a fantastic life. And accompanying that, once you take the questionnaire, there's a manual that'll show you how to get to the next level. And there's also some instruction on how to make every day a fantastic day. So every day of your life will be fantastic. So it won't be wasted going
0: forward. Thank you, Dr. Allen. I'm I'm gonna, those who are listening There'll be a link in the notes below, so you can find out more about the questionnaire, and then to find out, you know, it's just a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing that you're. Is there, is there anything else that you like to um, share regarding that for? those who are not sure what it really means, what quality of life, are these questions hard? or is this a No, hard these questions will take five to 10 minutes to do. And it just shows
1: exactly where you are. You know, you might say, oh, geez, my life's terrible. Fine. That means you're going to move forward. You yeah. might say my life is fantastic. But then guess what? You should keep it there. So you need to really assess yourself all the time, so you can stay with the highest quality of life that you can.
0: Again, thank you so much for you know coming on and sharing your insight with us today. Um, like I said, all all the information that you know Dr. Allen has shared will be in the notes. You can find out more there. Uh, I just want to share to those who are listening, remember to stay updated by Revive Ministries through the website revivalistsfl.com. It's the best hub to find out more. This is goodbye from Revival Ministry Podcast, leaving you with this last quote. It's from Marianne Ratch, Ratchmatcher. Um, we talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not really giving forgiveness is really giving a gift to yourself. Have compassion to forgive others and the courage to forgive yourself.